Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today's episode, I, um, boys, I played a, a softball finals today and uh, we lost a really big time. Like we, we were on paper, we we're the best uh, team uh, to, to beat them and we just choked today. So wow. we thought- How was your mindset? How was your mindset? Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I think we, I, I need to, to bring on a sports psychologist today to, uh, <laughs> to deal with my uh, emotional loss of uh, 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 today. Just, just basically a choke effort for, from the whole team. So Brett, would you like to introduce our, um, our guest today? Yeah, I'd love to introduce our guest today. Our guest today is sports psychologist Jenny Williams. Um, she has been an elite sports person in her own right. She's actually represented South Australia in six different sports, which is just amazing to think about. Um, she comes from a very sporty family. She's got a, a brother, well, two brothers and a, and a father who are all sports coaches and very good elite sports coaches. Um, and she's a sports psychologist. So um, I know that Jenny's going to have great stuff for us. So welcome, Jenny Williams. Oh, thank you very much, guys. And uh, I should put out that um, basically uh, my psychology is actually an organisational psychology, but I also do sport because of my background in coaching and also having done probably 10 years of sports psychology with uh, the Sports Institute here in South Australia. So I have a bit of a varied background. So tell us a bit about that background, Jenny. How did you get into this field? Um, well, basically, uh, I was a PE teacher for many years, and uh, like many of the people who are out there, everyone goes, PE teachers are pretty dumb, and uh, I met my husband, and he's a, he's a doctor, and we were talking about books one day, and he said, uh, okay, Jen, you know, I really like this book, and he said it had a, a prequel, and I said, well, what was it, meaning what was the name of the book, and he proceeded to tell me what a prequel was, so um, I then went and said, well, well, not all PE teachers are that dumb, and uh, we had a big laugh about it, but I... Having um, played sport and done so much psychology through it, I also have a real interest in people and groups. And so to be able to go back and then do a grad dip in psychology and then on, uh, get a first-class honours and then go back uh, to do my master's at 50 really was something that, you know, I, I uh, take a lot of enjoyment out of because I met some great people and got some really good skills to add to what I always, already thought was a pretty good skill set to help people in any case. So um, that's been my journey as far as uh, getting into psychology. Um, and again, I should tell you that my husband and I then uh, had a challenge of chess and the first one to 10 games uh, got to decide whether we got married or not. So I won, <laughs> we <Quit> married. <laughs> 20 years later, we're still married, so he's just scared to run away, I think. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, Jenny, one of the reasons why we brought you on to this show is because I think uh, from a perspective of, of many of our listeners, they, you know, they, they want to get better in terms of health and wellness. They, they want to strive towards, um, you know, receiving greater health for themselves, but also their families. But oftentimes, they come up with hurdles. They come up with challenges in their life. Um, and it, sometimes it could be a mindset thing. So tell us a little bit about, from a, you know, from a sports psychology point of view, how can you, what would you advice would you give to someone who has experienced challenge in terms of, you know, wanting to move towards health? Um, I, I really um, believe in a couple of things. Number one is um, learning that nothing's easy. You know, as we the first thing is we all luck into where we're born. Uh, I lucked into a, a mum who was the best psychologist without any degree in it whatsoever, the most optimistic person in the world and a dad who is driven. Um, and other people don't luck into that. So the next thing that goes with it is understanding that 
if we want to be good at anything, it doesn't matter what it is, but we actually have to work at it. And um, I don't know, have you guys talked about mastery before as a concept in the 10,000 hours on here? Mentioned it briefly. Mentioned it, but haven't got into it in detail. Uh, well, you know, the 10,000 hours concept is basically to be a master at something, you have to actually spend a lot of time in it or something closely related. And uh, the study started off with violin and then they've moved on to other um, areas to look at instruments and then also golf and all other sports. And it's even things like reading. If people have trouble with reading, a lot of the times it's because we haven't spent enough time doing it. And the next thing is we don't make it enough fun so people will actually stick at it. So when you ask me for some advice for people, the first one is um, if things are bad in your life and you were born into that situation, it's not your fault or anything else like that, but there is something you can do and often even the way parents treat their kids is how they were brought up and they don't know any different. And uh, one of the big things I start with with everyone is uh, learning about luck and then learning about mastery and then we have two baskets. When you have a good game, you put it in your mastery, uh, you put it in your highlight tape and I'll suggest later on everyone should have their own highlight tape and when you have a bad game you put it in the mastery basket and unfortunately when you were talking about your softball today finals are not a good time to have a bad game so we try and work on that during the season so we don't have a bad game during the finals so what you say i should have talked to you before the game started today yes, I, I would have suggested and this is one of the things that i find is quite interesting is even elite sports i was on facebook to people during the olympics because no one had helped them out beforehand. Mm. And, you know, when all of a sudden um, I talk about this thing called adjustment level, and if you guys can think about it, it's the point in your life that the straw breaks the camel's back and uh, what really stresses you. And some people can get through and, and there's nothing really gets to them and they're highly adjusted. And there's others that lose it really, really easily. And teaching people how to stay either within that adjustment level or to increase their capacity for adjustment um, really is one of those things that you can do and you can start and you can practice. So, you know, instead of everything being these abstract concepts, we start doing that. And I'll say, first of all, how about a highlight tape? You all got one? In my mind. <laughs> da Damien's too long. I'm, I'm going to get Lawrence to make me well, one. I, I, video. <laughs> I, I do well, have one. Yes, actually, actually, well, actually I do have one too. Really, I miss <laughs> Well, that's a really interesting thing because, you see, the one thing we know is most people will tell you, and uh, if uh, I ask people first of all, and I'm going to ask each of you three, what? give me three strengths. Each of you, uh, Brett go first, then Damien, then Lawrence. See, I'll, I'll get you guys organized so you don't, you don't have to worry which order. But um, tell me three great things about yourself. All right. Uh, about myself, I would say that um, I'm a good communicator. Um, I'm very big on communication. Um, I would say I'm someone who is very driven. Um, and I would say that I'm someone who's good at problem solving. Excellent. Damien? Nice. Um, I, I'm a very honest guy. I, I, I find that. Um, I also find that I'm, I love communicating and, uh, and as a result I enjoy presenting. So uh, there'd be my three things. And Lawrence? For me, it's, I, I believe that I'm very empathetic. Um, I really do care about a lot of people. And uh, I'm... I believe I'm a really great communicator as well. And the third thing is I, I really love getting to the cause of the problem. Excellent. Now tell me one thing about you physically that you like. <laughs> All right. Starting with me again? Yep. All right. Uh, I like my big smile. 
I do too. I was just looking at it on the screen. It's excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. How, how about you, Damien? I can't tell much with your question mark. <laughs> <laughs> have I just got a question mark there? That's you've only really got that? a question mark. It's not. It's not good. But you know, you can you can be anything you like. What's great about you? International man of mystery. Well, I I like I like my eyes. I, yeah, I like my eyes. Nice eyes and Lawrence. <laughs> I have to say, smile as well. Excellent. Well, you not see, not on skin, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things is um, people spend so much time often hearing or ma imagining bad things about themselves that to start off with just even having your strengths written up, something that is actually um, that you can see every day and remind you. So if someone's an elite athlete, I want them to have some personal things that they're pleased about. But secondly, um, I, I teach people that, you know, there's a, a great cartoon or um, a, a picture, I don't know if you've seen it, where it's a pussycat looking in the mirror and they see back a tiger. And or a lion, and yeah. <laughs> in doing so, yeah. that's how I feel about myself. I'm a 50-year-old, middle-aged, you know, like um, not so uh, spelt woman. And but again, I got big hair and everything else like that. And people would think, oh yeah, well maybe. But I teach the most sexy, powerful thing in the world is self-confidence. And self-confidence comes from understanding, first of all, your strengths. So what you guys have just told me, if you've got listeners out there, I want them to actually start thinking, tell me some great things about you. You spent so many times thinking about the bad stuff. Mm. Let's go for the good stuff now. So even what each of you said, you, you probably all appreciate about each other. It's true. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and see, often in teams... People spend so much time going through, oh, we did this wrong, we did that wrong, you need to be better at this, that it actually eats into the trust factor and the self-confidence factor. And so, you know, even um, every now and then for your friends, if you want to do something fantastic for them, just tell them sometimes that you really appreciate them when it's not their birthday, when it's not Father's Day. And in fact, I've got to tell you, my husband would probably say, Father's Day is just like every other day because if I don't make it good, why would you want to be married to me? So every day should be something we enjoy. So that's going. something we do, I know in our practice, you know, we have our team meetings each week and one of the things we do is we write down, we have our well done section on our whiteboard and every week we try and write down something about each other that we appreciated that the other person did really well uh, and we find that really useful. And again, makes you happier, makes people more likely to work. And the really dumb thing is when you actually, and the same thing with your kids, you know, your kids are going to have enough time that things are going to go wrong, especially if they're teenagers. But, you know, I have to live by the, I've got a 19-year-old daughter and she's not as quick as me. You know, my whole sporting background was Jenny could play anything and be fast at anything. My daughter isn't exactly like me, but she's the most wonderful kid who tries at everything she does. Now, you know, if you don't tell your teenagers how good they are and how much you love them, there's plenty of other things in this world that will tell them the other things. So, you know, when we're talking about wellness with blokes especially, blokes do not tell each other good stuff about each other anywhere near enough. Mm. That is a good that point good in general. general. Oh, well, it's interesting. Lawrence said that he was empathetic. Um, many men believe they're empathetic and uh, my version of empathetic and theirs is quite something different, you know, like... Um, <laughs> 
I get homework <laughs> like that. Um, I make my guys go and sit at coffee clubs and things like that and watch people and start to think what they're they're thinking. Now, can you imagine being given homework as an athlete to go home and watch The Mentalist or Lie to Me or things like that? But I want people to start looking at expressions, looking at people's body language. And if you've ever watched Caesar the Dog Whisperer, you've got to do that too because he shows people what a commanding thing looks like versus where... When your dog doesn't take any notice of you, it's because you never lead the pack. <laughs> it's so, so true, though. So, Jenny, you spend Jenny, a lot of time working with elite athletes. With elite, um, um, can you share can with you us share what they do differently? They, like, what is it about them that allows them to perform at a different level to perhaps the, you know, the weekend athlete? The yeah, um, the main thing is, number one, oh, look, there's, there's all of these other factors. I talked about luck, first of all. Um, there's a thing called the Matthews effect, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into it in great detail, but I was born on January the 11th, and that gave me a huge advantage because, guess what, I'm actually, when the cutoff's January the 1st, Anyone who's born in January is actually 11 months older by the time you get to under 8s, under 10s, under 12s. And what happens is you're generally bigger and more physically developed. So you therefore get put in more state squads, more other squads, and you also then get better coaching. So again, when I'm talking about great athletes, some great athletes are great until they're 18 or 19, and all of a sudden they come up against men or women who are bigger than them, and for the first time they need some psychological help. Because before then, it's always been based on the fact that I can beat anyone else up sort of thing I'm huge so again we start with looking at where they're coming from and the other thing that great athletes do um, I did my master's into um, profiling uh, x-factor players and also elite level successful coaches so they had to won an AFL or a Australian or a world championship in their sport and basically I can tell you the difference and I'd like you to check this out to see if you were like this in your softball teams and things like that but the greatest athletes first of all they are driven they will find a way to actually be the best at whatever they do they're caring they care about each other and they care about the result. They're colourful, they're prepared to stand out. They're resilient, they recover and they're always wanting to be better and if something goes wrong, they don't spend too long down there. They're bold and if you want to watch the Olympics, you know, if we're talking about this, I'll ask you to give me an example in a minute that you, you saw of all of this in the Olympics because bold never, never to be ignored. Um, imaginative to try something different. They don't do what's always been done before. And last of all, their preparation is outstanding. So if I tell them they need to go and do a funk dance class with me on a Monday night, they turn up to do the funk dance class, even if they're a six foot six ruckman. So again, when we say about driven, they are so driven to be good that they're prepared to be a little bit embarrassed sometimes. Okay, fellas, we're talking about this. I was going to ask you what you saw. Did you see any examples of resilience at all in the Olympics? Yeah, I was actually I was watching the marathon. I actually didn't watch heaps of the Olympics, but one of the things I did watch was the marathon. Just I'm kind of fascinated by it, and uh, yeah, it's amazing to watch those people where they're you know you can just tell they're just done, like they're just exhausted, they're just shot, and yet they can just push themselves to to go again and to surge again one more time, or to to keep up with that pack that they're trying to run with, and they sort of accelerate even though they're absolutely exhausted and get themselves back onto the pack, and it's just amazing to watch. It's so cool. Yeah, and if you look at it not only in that area in the fact that they're resilient during their activity but if you have a look um, 
you know, to even come back after you've had a bad race and then you've got a yeah. better final or things like that, or um, even the men's hockey, I think they were probably um, pretty down with how a lot of their uh, performances went, but they were resilient enough to come back and play really well for the bronze medal. So that's one of the things you're going to notice about athletes. What about colourful? Give me some colourful ideas. Well, I, I tell you what, I don't think it was at the Olympics, but there, there was this one girl who was, I think it, it, was, it might have been the Junior Olympics or something like that, who is an Australian girl who ran the hurdles, and she had this very colourful <laughs> exercise routine to warm up with, and yes. that, that certainly caught my eye, and I thought that was pretty colourful. I don't know if you boys have seen it, but... No. I haven't seen it. It's worth I, checking I've out. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> she, does, she does a little dance beforehand to get ready. Yeah. And it, again, it puts her in the right mindset. But, you know, even Brett, if we, we love our footy and we watch Port. Um, one of the things that we should see at some stage, if we're going to see really good athletes, is some that are going to have bright coloured sprigs on or, you know, the hair just a little bit different and things like that. And you actually don't want to take that out of great, great athletes. You want to see them wanting to stand out. Mm, they also have those routines, especially sprinters. I noticed that a lot of sprinters would have those colorful little things they do in front of the camera just before they race. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and what about their shoes? Yeah, that's right. Bright and colorful. And it's, it's fair to say Usain Bolt's press conferences were pretty colorful too. He was, uh, he was not <laughs> yeah. shrinking away. Was he great? It was fantastic. It was great. Well, Sally Pearson was another Sally one. Pearson. When Sally Pearson. When I'm talking about bold. You know, she said beforehand, I'm going to win this race. I'm prepared to do this. And if you have a look at it, um, you know, when you talk about athletes, um, I would recommend to anyone um, Rafa Nadal's book. If you haven't read anything, and even if you don't like reading very much, it's an easier read. But it is one of the most fantastic books that looks at um, what I very much believe in, that when we're regardless of whether we're doing elite athletes or a general person, we should be developing the person, not just the performer. And um, when you just develop the performer, too many people end up their careers feeling really sad and lonely, even though they may have won a world championship. What about, Jenny, what about like when someone is too confident? Like, I mean, you know, one swimmer comes to mind in Australia was Magnuson. You know, when he, he was like thinking that no one was going to defeat him. Um, and um, it all kind of fell apart for him. What, what about that? How, how would you sort of talk about that? Yeah, well, um, again, that adjustment level, I would say he's always been so good in Australia that, you know, he's never actually hit what I call that adjustment where it's gone from being within where he's comfortable to the stress, out of the zone as we would talk about it. And um, if you've never learned to deal with it beforehand, when it hits you all of a sudden, um, even when we talk about footballers, people will go, oh, look, they're not fit enough. What people don't understand is um, anxiety of any sort creates um, adrenaline and too much adrenaline will actually create people to look like their heart's going pound, 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 mm. way before they get out there, almost like you've run or you've swum the entire race. And when I listened to him talk, he was actually saying oh, he'd never felt so tired beforehand. He didn't have the energy. Well, if we, if we we don't prepare people beforehand for what anxiety feels like, then when it hits, people go, oh, my God, you're a victim rather than actually knowing what to do about it. Mm, so true. That's great, Jenny. And I think we're getting some great tips here that are really applicable to people um, in their everyday life. You know, that just that idea of, well, make sure you prepare. You know, be prepared for what's coming. And, and the idea of working on the person, you know, I think that's really important. Sometimes we get focused on a goal, whether it's weight loss or whether it's exercise or whatever it is. They don't necessarily take that holistic picture and work on themselves as a person. And I think that's a really good point. 
Well, what you were saying before, we were talking about touch. Look, it's a really important thing. Um, you're on the Guys Wellness Show, and I was just having a look at the figures um, for the um, from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, where they actually list anxiety and depression as the third most likely thing, a burden of disease for men. And in fact, um, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, 98% have some psychological distressing problem. So this is what I'm talking about. We need to actually help people understand, number one, being um, depressed and grumpy isn't going to actually help anyone. So mm. how do we actually move from there? And even just teaching people, if you're anxious or your heart rate's starting to go fast, because you're worried about something well here's a really simple thing to do and people will charge lots to teach you how to do breathing techniques when the truth is just learning to breathe into a, a rate of about in two three four five six hold two out two three four five six seven now that's a breath in and out of about that time um, I would like people, here, here's a little thing for you guys to do and the reason why I do that breathing like that. I want you to think of something, you do not have to tell me this, think think of something bad about yourself at the moment, something you don't like, you don't have to tell each other or anything else like that. I'd like you to think about that for the moment and now I would like you to add the following numbers for me and it's going to be really important that you get this right. So can you add three and two and five and three and seven. Now I'm hoping you got those answers right, fellas. Have you have you thought about that mathematical answer? I was thinking how bad yeah, of math. Got, I'm so bad at mathematical skills. No, <laughs> sure. I, got, I got twenty, Jenny. I don't know if I got that right or not. Yeah, you got twenty. You were right, and you know I'm trying to do this at the same time. But the main thing is, while you were doing that maths, I'm guaranteeing you were forgetting about what was wrong with you, because and yes. that's the thing about our brain. If we give it something else to do. It actually changes how we think. So if I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm terrible at this, I'm terrible at this, and all I'm doing is retelling myself that, or I'm worried about this, or I'm really anxious, if you can learn to do that breathing, what happens is as you start counting, it, it immerses you in that and it takes your brain away from the other thing and it starts to calm your heart. So again, when you're asking me about things, when people come to see me, it's not about sitting about, uh, uh, you will have many psychologists who um, are, are people who will uh, counsel and sit and listen. For me, I, I'm dealing with people who want to be really good at what they do and who want to feel really good about themselves. So we start with things like how to, how to do the centering breath. We do our strengths. And um, the last thing I'll tell you about is our highlight tape. What I was talking about before, I would love you to get a little camera or anyone to get things that they can record and then put it to music. And it's got to be celebratory anthem sort of music that you love. And then show yourself, yourself. And what happens is I've got one on my website and um, you guys can see it any time, but I've done it to those who are our young years with Dragon and uh, it's got all of me playing with all of my mates that I played with for many, many years who incidentally are still my mates and we dance together. But it's joyous and it makes other people feel good. And as I say, when you do your own, people do not spend enough time actually celebrating life. And even if you guys go away from this with a couple of hints, I'm doing my job because that's what we should do as psychologists is make people feel like life's good. Oh, that's great stuff though, Jenny. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to go back to what you just said about the breathing technique and changing, you know, obviously focusing on a mathematical problem will change your mindset. And for those people who ever feel anxious or stressed in their life, that's a great little technique to kind of switch their focus. Now, could we add to that a little bit? Like, 
that will take, do you find that people will switch their mindset just for the, you know, that immediate moment and that will be good enough? Or is there other well, things that kind of continue to kind of make sure that that anxiety really is, is kind of brought down to a level where it's manageable so they can actually be healthy and well? Oh, yeah. And that's, um, I think Brett was the one that said it before. The last thing I said about athletics or anyone who is actually going to be, I call them champion people, you know, it doesn't matter about champion on a field or not, but it, it's that you have outstanding preparation. And that means if I'm going to my job or I'm doing things like that, first of all, I might use some imagination of how to do things differently. If you keep doing things the way you are, you are going to keep doing and having the same problems or the same solutions. So if you don't like something, my my talk is, um, you know, we need to change it up. And there's a thing called regression to the mean, which basically what that means is if you don't do anything different, you come back to where you are. Now, when I talk about outstanding preparation, I now with my athletes, um, I've produced a calendar and on it, it's got random care days, random reward days. It's got uh, days when you've got to do an evaluation on yourself, days when you've got to read about someone or look up YouTube. I love the net to find out things. I put things on and my job is to help people prepare so that if you want to get rid of anxiety, the whole thing you have to do is teach people techniques and ways to make them better by doing something different or learning some skills. And um, I'm a teacher by trade and so that's where I sort of differ from a lot of others because I honestly think if you can engage people and you can enthuse them, you can take them to places and probably my best feedback I get from people is I just get notes saying, gee, you made me feel good and, uh, you know, life's going well now. And, you know, what else can I ask as a psychologist? Uh, Jenny, you mentioned earlier about your presentations. You said that you used, uh, was it Tigger in your presentation? I'm just dying to know how, what the, how they come into this picture. Well, um Basically, when I first started doing this, it's, what is really weird is I actually found a, a guy was doing a TED talk and almost using exactly the same concept but not to the same level as I do. And my husband started laughing. He goes, right around the world, people, obviously, there is nothing new in psychology. It's actually about, um, you know, Apollo said know thyself. So I come back to, first of all, I'm an Eeyore. Eeyores are um, bouncy. Uh, we think, you know, if we win a game, we think, oh, gee, I played well. Oh, they were lucky to have me, you know, like, and you walk around, you're confident or things like that. But if you always lose a game, uh, sorry, Tiggers lose a game, Tiggers go, oh, wasn't a very good day. Oh, umpires cheated. They have some sort of a little external excuse and great Tiggers then find a new way to prepare to get better. So we put that preparation back with it. Eeyores, on the other hand, are more the personality that when they win, they're still doubting that maybe they, they could have played better or that someone else contributed more than they did. And they're almost sick from relief in winning because they're so worried that they're not doing as well as they should. And when they lose, Eeyores take it all amongst them, on themselves. And um, when they have these in football open and honest feedback sessions, when Eeyores are given openness and honest feedback, it kills their self-confidence more than people can possibly believe. And, in fact, Eeyores even having to give Tiggers open feedback is stressful for them. So um, my thing is to teach Eeyores that they need to learn to externalise some things with an excuse and also maybe their major preparation isn't always physical for them it is actually the mental side and you make it fun and you show people what it looks like and you show them different ways of thinking and it's amazing how you can fast track people to being better if they have some time and I'll go again the last thing I'll keep saying is 
is this mastery. 10,000 hours, that is a huge amount of practice. But if you spent 10 years or 20 years doubting yourself, I've got to get you to spend some time on the other side of yourself to actually make you make things better. So again, if we want to change our brain patterning, we have to do some work. So Jenny, how does that 10,000 hours relate to something, I guess, uh, you know, more simple in terms of health and wellness? Like, How does that relate to, say, eating well or exercising or thinking more positively? Well, it's like anything else. Um, you know, if you've spent your life, let's say you come from a family that doesn't do a lot of exercise, or let's even go back to, for me as a PE teacher, we had daily PE in the 80s and 70s, and we made it fun, and we had health hustles and disco dances and everything else like that. And kids used to do, we used to do 10 minutes, uh, sorry, the uh, it was a five-item shuffle, which was 30 seconds of push-ups, sit-ups, burpees, and we as teachers did it with the kids. And it wasn't about being magnificent, but it was about doing activity every day. Now, if you're thinking about that, that added to mastery. It added to people's time that they were spending doing activity. Um, and now if kids, uh, you know, even riding bikes, uh, people are scared to let their kids on the road. So a lot of kids have no mastery in riding a bike at all. Um, they don't play elastics, heaven help what hopscotch is or things like that. So, so many things that we learned at my age and would love to do, you know, my daughter never experienced it at school. And it sort of worries me that, um, you know, mastery and, and time in this wellness area is just as important as it is outside. So, you know, when you're asking me, about that I'm talking about deliberate practice of um, how you eat deliberate practice of this and understanding that you're going to make mistakes like we do on a footy field like we do playing sport you know you're going to eat that bit of extra bit of chocolate or whatever but don't beat yourself up about it just get back on the horse and do the right thing tomorrow and you know um, I look at it and my husband and I have two treadmills at our house. We have a big TV in front of it and we watch series. And you're only allowed to watch the series, which we love because we're a bit of <laughs> sci-fi people. You're only allowed to watch it when you're running. And mm. so we, we will nice. watch 40 minutes. And on weekends, it's like, I wonder what's going to happen next episode. Oh, we better do a double. So, again, <laughs> you know, it's, it's putting some um, fun back into those mastery hours. And, you know, um, anyone who comes to me, I, I'm – People think working hard is terrible, but when you make it fun, people work really hard and don't even realize it. Jenny, you're speaking to me. That's just great stuff. One of my favorite books is Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Outlier book, which you're talking about uh, the 10,000 hours. And yeah, it's just amazing stuff. So Jenny, awesome concepts. They're just amazing. Thank you so much for your insights. And uh, we definitely have to talk to the team to uh, consult with you in the off season now that our season's over uh, to prepare for next season. So, Okay. You know what you're <laughs> going to do? You are going to actually owe me a coffee, guys, because I'd love to meet you. It's like anything else. You know, um, my big thing is I, I work with people and I care about them and I'll come back to that as the most important concept if you care about others when things go wrong you've got someone to act as a trampoline for you and you know we need to connect people we need blokes and sheds we need uh, the Salvation Army do good jobs with people doing footy pools you know the funniest thing about all of that sort of stuff is it's got nothing really to do with winning or losing it's got to do with connection and um, you know um, Brett and I like Port Adelaide to me that was the biggest thing about that club is it was a place that cared about people and cared about um, everyone that walked through the door being better when they left and uh, that's the way it's got to be if people are going to be healthy fantastic well if you want to know more about jenny uh, williams it's uh, best on ground you can check it out there and there's lots of information and, and and her highlight video is there too i love that highlight video thanks jenny for that <laughs> tip uh, until next week guys um 
make sure you join us. Uh, tell us on Facebook what do you think about this particular episode. Uh, if you have you want to continue this conversation, go there and uh, tell us what you think, and you know tell us what your challenges have been in the past, and uh, tell how you overcame it too as well. So also make sure you sign up each episode on from iTunes, and make sure you check out our website www.thewellnessguys.com. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys Show.